is Digital Marketer. Today, it's Garrett Hardy. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and I'm so excited because in today's episode, we finally get to introduce our media buyer, Garrett Hardy. He's been here for five months, and if you've been in the Digital Marketer orbit for even a second, you might know that he had some very big shoes to fill. You've most likely seen Garrett around in our engaged Facebook group, answering questions and giving context where he can. And in this conversation, he did not disappoint. We hit just about every Facebook ad topic under the sun, including the first thing Garrett did when he came to DM and why he refused to spend a dime until it was finished how to ensure a high-quality top-of-funnel audience, and why one of our best-performing ads is actually one of our worst-performing ads at first glance. How's that for an open loop? Well, without further ado, here it is. Garrett, hey, what's up? Not much. How are you doing? Cool. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and excited to talk about Facebook ads and paid traffic because that's your area of expertise. Yes, it is. Super excited to be here. I've been at at Digital Marketer now since March. Yeah, well, I know we've had like a lot of changes to some of our systems since you've been here. But first, let's get into the fact that you came on literally right after we went into quarantine. Yeah, (laughs) the first day that we started working from home was my first day at Digital Marketer. So I currently have met maybe four (laughs) people in the whole company. I've been to the office one time. Oh my God. Yeah. What a time. (laughs) I don't even think I have a desk technically. No, I don't know where you would sit. I I guess now technically nowhere. No one sits anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) We sit at home. Well, yay. So before we get into how you think about paid traffic and how you do your ads and all that stuff, where did you get your expertise and your interest in ads? Yeah, so I I went to school for marketing and I kind of always knew I wanted to get to digital, but getting experience is is pretty tough. I would say, I mean, college isn't going to teach you the necessary skills. It doesn't have the the depth that is required to, you know, be an effective media buyer. But I got my first internship in college working for social media focused company. They didn't do much paid ads. It was mainly community management and stuff like that, making content calendars and that sort of thing. So after doing that for a while, I decided I didn't like it and I wanted to manage money. And one thing that drew me to paid ads was just being able to see uh, the direct impact of what I'm doing. Mm. Just so, you know, there's, there's no question as to how I've impacted the company. So that was always really attractive to me. So yeah, I spent some time, probably about a year, bouncing around doing social media management for different people. And I got kind of got lucky and got a job offer from a small boutique agency in Las Colinas, actually. And their big thing was they wanted to train people in their own methodology instead of hiring people with prior experience. Mm. So, you know, everyone that they brought on, they trained to be able to do Facebook ads effectively. And I got some really great experience there. That's where most of my training comes from. It was pretty e-commerce 
heavy, uh, a lot of direct response campaigns. I got to work on some really cool clients like Simple Human, uh, Prizio, uh, Circle by Disney, stuff like that. Some some pretty cool emerging brands that I got to work on as they were growing. So I got to kind of see that growth phase and kind of learn how to scale stuff from a digital perspective. So that was really cool. After that, I moved to the Richards Group in Dallas, which is a much bigger agency. And there, I got some experience, you know, working on different Fortune 500 companies, stuff like Hobby Lobby, Firehouse Subs were accounts that we had, Lifeway Christian Stores, Shinerbach Beer. So the spend levels went up significantly. So that was really cool to get that type of experience. But, you know, as I was there, I wasn't there long, maybe like eight months probably. I realized that I was passionate about scaling and running media for mid and small size companies. Just felt like I had more autonomy over what I was doing. And, you know, when you're getting into million dollar plus budgets for major clients, you kind of lose a lot of control over over what you're doing. You don't have as much testing control. There's a lot of red tape. One thing I didn't particularly like about working on clients that big is I would just kind of get the creative that they decided it wasn't made with Facebook in mind, you know, and you just kind of have to run with it, do the best you can with what you're given. But yeah. And, and you know, that, that brings us to digital marketer now. So I've collected a, a healthy amount of experience across a bunch of different size companies. And now I really feel like I'm, I'm in a place where I can help the people that need it most, you know, the small and, and mid-sized business owners. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I kind of want to get into when you, when you, first came on to digital marketer and you know we we've kind of been through a lot of different agencies and um, we weren't really doing it internally for a while and we we're kind of going back and forth on things so I'd love to know just some of the initial changes that you that you made or like initial just like what are the first things you need to do when you come on to a new client or company to get things set up right yeah. So, you know, having my agency backgrounds, I've taken over a lot of accounts that had been run by previous agencies or different agencies. And, you know, there's kind of some common themes across them. So honestly, one of the first things I always do when I take a new account is just start completely over. I place my own pixel. I get a new ad account. And that's basically where I'm going to start. And the reason I do that is because I've just seen countless cases of an agency running really bad traffic to a website because it was cheap. You know, they, they made the results look really nice, but the quality of traffic wasn't there. And when the quality of traffic wasn't there, it trains your pixel in the wrong way. So, you know, and that has, that has just a waterfall effect across your entire campaign. So the first thing I did when I took over the DM account was I, I went through and looked at what the past agencies have done, took some notes, you know, the best performing ads, stuff like that. But I knew when I came in, I was probably going to start from scratch. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I worked with our internal team here, got a new pixel place, tagged every conversion that we have on our website, you know, from pretty, pretty granularly too. So if someone makes a purchase, it's not only going to fire the purchase event, but I'm going to know exactly which, which product line that purchase came from, how much the purchase was. I have, I have our pixel broken down, you know, as granularly as I can get it. So that was the first thing I did. The second thing I did was make a new ad account because the old one had 
probably three or four years of campaigns in there and it was really cluttered so it's just always good to start fresh did you get pushback on that is that like a scary thing for people i didn't get much pushback no just mainly because it doesn't really affect anything i placed the new pixel but the old one was still on there so i leave the old one on there because you know sometimes you can find good audiences that have been created it does have a lot of data and stuff so like Whenever I would launch my my new campaign, I I did start using the retargeting from the old pixel, knowing that I would phase out of it over time. Once I, mm. you know, once I started driving a lot of traffic myself, because I know I know exactly what kind of people I've I've been targeting and what kind of people I've been sending to the new pixel. But the old pixel definitely got used for the first couple of months, you know, using the the purchase audiences and and stuff like that. But no, everyone was everyone here was really cool about it. You know, I didn't I didn't have much pushback against it, and there's there's not really much of a reason to push back if you you know want to start a new ad account. It, it doesn't really impact results or anything. Oh, okay. Especially if you're starting a new campaign from scratch. Obviously, if you have something that's been running for a while and optimized really well, you don't want to you don't want to pause that or anything. But yeah, for a while I was operating out of two ad accounts probably for the first two months and then just slowly phasing out of the old one into the new one over time. So what are you looking for in an audience? How are you, how are you building that audience? Yeah. So for me, it's all about top funnel scalability. I have confidence in our funnels and I have confidence in the traffic that I'm, that I can drive. So, you know, I know the middle funnel and bottom funnel audiences are going to convert the way I want to. So for me, I'm mainly focused on that top funnel traffic because if you can keep people coming into the funnel, qualified people in the funnel at all times, keep filling that funnel, then, you know, your, your campaign will be perpetually scalable. So when I am starting, you know, finding an audience is, it's really just for me, just testing everything relevant that I can think of when you're, when you're thinking top funnel audiences, you know, your Facebook lookalikes are going to be really useful, you know, if you can make lookalikes based off of really good data, you know, all your past purchasers, that's usually should be your best lookalike because that's a machine learning generated audience of people that have actually converted. So that one should in theory be your best one, but you can make lookalikes of people that have added to cart, people that have been on your website, really, really anything that you have tagged on your website, you can make a lookalike Mm -hmm. audience of. So I'll start, I'll start by testing a lot of those different audiences, putting you know a few hundred dollars through them, see how they perform. And then on top of that, I'll, do, I'll just start looking at Facebook's general interest targeting and just start testing all, all of those I can. And whenever you're first coming onto a new account, you kind of have to figure out what your CPA goals are going to look like. But after you do that and you know, I don't want to pay more than you know, $50 for someone to start a trial. It's just an arbitrary number. But after, after you run traffic through an audience for maybe a couple hundred dollars or so, and, and it's above your goal, you can just kill that audience and then move on to testing the next one. So, you know, what I'm looking for an audience is something that's scalable. It has enough people where I can put a decent amount of money through it and won't, you know, have any problems hitting frequency caps, but also stays under, under my given goal. So it's a, it's definitely it's definitely an ebb and flow to it. A lot of testing involved, but once you find a winner, you can really push into it, and it you know it, it just brings the whole account up. If you find a good top top funnel audience, 
you'll see, you know, your, your costs go down in the middle funnel and the bottom funnel, your conversion rates will go down across the board. So once you find a winner, it's, it's really fulfilling. So when I'd love to know when you came on, like we have our own ideas of like how we see our customers, you know, our, our, like our avatars and stuff and our products, but maybe sometimes they don't always translate to like that top of funnel. You know what I'm saying? Like it mm-hmm. can't be how you define it in your company is a little bit like, like jargon almost. And have you found that you were able to translate really easily or is it just like a fully broad type thing? Am I asking a normal question? (laughs) So coming from my agency background, I do have like some trust issues regarding like what a company thinks their target audience is versus what actually works in Facebook. So, you know, I think digital market had a really good, good target in that regard. Good idea of, of what that audience was. But for me, I'm always keeping my mind open. So generally, if, if I launch a campaign for a client and they tell me what their target market is, I'm not going to go in there and just instantly put in, you know, 24 to 35 males and just run that as my top funnel audience. I'm going to run it generally pretty open and then see what the data tells me. Because when you're running... Uh, campaigns on Facebook, you have all the demographic data, the, the gender data, the age data, stuff like that. So oftentimes, you know, in my agency background, I've I found that when a client tells us something is their age or gender group is their target audience, and then we'll go into Facebook and just run their ads to an open audience and then let Facebook decide who the most converting is, there's just usually a huge discrepancy. And, you know, oftentimes we're coming back to the client and telling them, actually this this product resonates with this audience that you guys w- weren't even thinking about so you know my my big thing when it comes to facebook ads is always just watch the data and listen to the data and and see what it's telling you but you know when i got to digital marketer i think you know since this this is something that we train people in and something that we've practiced and and gotten down to a science here you know the customer avatars and, and things like that so looking at what dm had has outlined as the target audience was, was pretty close to what I saw in the Facebook data. No surprises. So I'd love to know, Garrett, what's the most common problem you see in Facebook ads? Whenever I take over an account from, you know, that's been with someone else or been with a prior agency, a lot of the times you'll notice that there's really good results when they first started running the ads and the results fall off over time. And I think that has to do a lot with them focusing on mid funnel and top funnel, like retargeting and engagement audiences and, and not spending enough on top funnel because, you know, those, those middle and, and bottom funnel audiences, they're, they're finite. They're not going to grow unless you keep filling the funnel. So that's one thing I saw a lot in my agency days was, you know, other agencies put a lot of money into the retargeting and, you know, they'll get the ROAS up to like, 20 to one for like 30 days or 45 days or whatever it is. But then the the results will just fall off a cliff over time. And Mm -hmm. that's because they didn't focus enough on top funnel feeding the funnel. You know, they, they push their, their frequencies way too high. You know, I've seen, I've taken over accounts where the retargeting audience had seen, seen the retargeting ad, you know, over 50 times in in a month. Like that's, that's just way too many times to show someone an ad. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, 
you, you, you know, your audience will get fatigue and once they see your ad, they'll just not even look at it after, you know, two or three times of seeing it. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see. Another one that I see a lot is just people not having their tracking set up properly or not having everything tagged on their website. When it comes to Facebook ads, data is king and you get that data from your pixel in your site tracking. So I personally will never spend any money on any advertising campaign on Facebook unless everything on the site is tagged. I want data. I want to see what every lead magnet, like how many people click it, how many people download it. I want to see how many times everyone is clicking on certain product pages because those are opportunities that you can find there when you look at the data. If I see a particular blog post is just getting a ton of traffic because I had I had that page tagged and you know we're not running ads to it you know that's an opportunity okay that's telling me people are really interested in this let's put a little let's make an ad for it and put a little money behind it and see if we can you know bring our our costs down stuff like that so that's another thing that i see a lot is just people having their site not tagged properly and i think that's really the most important thing of 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 any facebook campaign when you're working on a campaign and you're looking at that that middle and bottom of funnel, how do you know for sure that that's performing so that you can focus on top of funnel? Because, you know, I know you said you had some trust in kind of what we already had, but what if you didn't have that trust and you're not seeing those results? What would you do? You know, in that case, it's really all about the data. You know, you can drive really good traffic and, and, you know, let's say you have a bunch of people adding to cart, but they're not purchasing, you know, that's a, that's an onsite, final issue. So I, whenever I have a problem like that, I look for where the drop-off is. I ha- if you have a ton of people clicking through to your site, but they're not adding products to cart or they're not downloading your leads, okay, well, let's look at your landing page. Maybe something's off here. If you have a bunch of people that are adding to cart but not purchasing, okay, maybe let's look at your checkout process. Maybe your shipping is too high. Maybe there's not enough payment options. So if something in the funnel isn't working, it's really a matter of using using the data available to you to find where the drop off is and 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 test things to fix it. And you know, but you can only do that if you have your website tagged properly. And that brings us back to the to the pixel. So yeah, it's it's all about it's all about using the data to to find opportunities and 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 find areas for improvement. How do you how do you clean up? So once you have everything pixeled really well and you're doing the lookalikes, how do you make sure that the top of funnel people are high quality when, when you can't really see that? How do you see that? How do you know? You know, generally if, if you're using, you know, lookalikes based off of prior data, you can assume that that's, that that's good traffic that you're sending because that's based on prior, prior data. But let's say, let's say you did have a pixel with really bad data how I would be able to tell would be lookalikes don't convert well. There's really low conversion rates after the initial click. If I look at the geo data and and see a lot of foreign countries that you know maybe you don't serve ads to them or maybe you don't service them, you know if you're targeting like a lot of like Asian countries and African countries, you know you can really get your cost per click down. But when you look at conversion rates and, and like those type of areas, then, you know, 
like American products are just going to be, you know, way, way more expensive than, than most people can afford. So like, you know, that's another thing I see a lot is people driving bad traffic or agencies getting like cost per click super low by targeting, you know, African countries and Asian countries, which you will do that. You will get a lot of clicks, but at the same time, like that's going to affect your pixel data if that traffic's not, not high quality. So, you know, if you're, you know, if if you if you think that your pixel has bad data, you usually will be able to tell by you know lookalikes not converting well, and you know your retargeting not converting well. If nothing's converting well, then if nothing's converting well, and you think you know your on-site stuff is good, your checkout process, your funnels, stuff like that, then I would I would look at who you're targeting. So you know you talked a lot about the things you're measuring. You know your clicks, your click through frequency what what are the numbers you like to see and what are you measuring so one thing that i'm watching a lot of people don't think to watch really closely is frequencies ideally i try to keep my frequency in between two and three in in a seven day look back window so this is mainly for for retargeting audiences i don't want them to be bombarded with with my ads over and over again and i think if they see it two to three times in in a seven day period that's plenty for me so that is one big determinant of my budget when it comes to the bottom and middle funnel audiences is making sure that they don't, you know, get ad fatigue from just getting blasted with my ads. Cause I mean, you can put a lot of money into your retargeting and you will probably get really good results, but it's short term. Mm-hmm. You don't want to fall into that trap of just getting your results up for short term. If you run through your retargeting audience, they're going to stop responding to your, to your creative when they see it so in bottom and and middle funnel audiences i'm definitely looking mainly at frequency and that that's how i'm going to determine my my budget for the for the day in those audiences if i see it you know getting pretty high above two then i'll i'll pull back my budget a little bit so that's a big one for me obviously whatever your main acquisition is so for digital marketer a lot of the times it's it's leads or you know, lab trials is another one that we have. So I'm, I'm watching that a lot as well. So, you know, if you're sending good traffic in the bottom and middle funnel, those, those numbers should be low regardless. But when it comes to top funnel, so one thing I'm testing right now is running conversion campaigns straight to top funnel, which those ads are optimized towards getting people to do my final conversion, which is usually like start trial or something. And you, and you can find cold audiences, top funnel audiences that do convert that really well, but it's going to be a little more expensive if you're doing a conversion based campaign. So alongside my conversion campaigns at the top funnel, I will run a lot of video view campaigns, which are aimed at getting someone to watch a video for 15 seconds or watch the whole video. And then I'll do some landing page view campaigns. So when it, when it, it comes to the metrics I'm watching. It depends on the type of campaign that I'm running. For video view campaigns, I'm looking at how much it costs me to get someone to watch the whole video, which we have a great creative team here. It's usually one or two cents to get someone to do that. And once you get someone to watch your video, you can make a retargeting people, retargeting audience of people that watch that video. And you know, since it costs one cent to get someone to watch it, you'll have hundreds of thousands of people that you can retarget. So what the main metric I, I would watch for that would be cost per through play, which is usually one cent for us. You know, we have some great videos that we've made here. I, I tend to not do a lot of link click campaigns, but I will do 
top funnel campaigns focus on landing page view. So for people that don't know the difference in Facebook between a link click and a landing page view, you they sound like the same, but a landing page view only fires if someone has been on the page for three seconds. And mm. a link click fires if someone clicks the link. It doesn't necessarily mean that they waited for your web page to load. So I tend to avoid that metric altogether um, and focus on landing page views if I'm doing kind of like a top funnel awareness uh, campaign. So the metric that I'm watching there is just going to be my cost per landing page view, you know, which is usually 20 cents, um, which is generally kind of high for most industries. But when you, when you are advertising to people in digital marketing, that's a really competitive space. You know, everyone, everyone in this space that is doing marketing, digital marketing type training, they all know how to use Facebook and they're all, they're all <laughs> running, running ads to the same interests and the same people. So, you know, for, for this particular industry, we, we do see a little higher, higher CPMs and things like that. But, you know, the main metric I'm, I'm watching at, and the top funnel is usually, you know, cost per landing page view, cost per conversion or the through play metric. Yeah. Those are a lot of different things to be measuring. What about how you work with the creative team? Because obviously not all of it is going to be the numbers. Some of it is creating the campaigns. And and you did come here to have more autonomy. So what's that process like? Yeah, so this has been a, a new one for me. Like like I mentioned earlier, when I was at the Richards Group, at, like, when it came to creative, I just kind of ran what they gave me. A lot of the times it was creative that was made for you know, like TV spots and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which isn't ideal. But, you know, at my first my first job, we did have a creative team, but they were so well-trained that all the creative we got was generally pretty good. I could, I could definitely request stuff if I wanted to, but working here at DM and working directly with the creative team, it's definitely a, a new skill that I've been having to work on, how to be more specific with my requests and things like that. But you know they're so they're so talented here, and I re- I really trust them. So for me, it's all about testing everything. So if anyone in the creative team comes to me and they say I have an idea that I want to try, I say okay, do it, and we'll run it and see how it goes. And you know if if I make a request to them, we kind of just bounce ideas back and forth off each other and and kind of go from there. I send you know as I see good ads, you know I'll send them to the creative team and be like, hey, can we try something like this? And this was really cool. And then they'll kind of put their own spin on it and then we'll run that. I like to test a lot of different videos and and image and still images. So anytime I get a batch of videos or, or images from the creative team, I'll usually have them make several different variations of it so I can test them against each other. And, and yeah. And, And like when it comes to things like copy, I will usually do the same, have, I usually get at least five variations of copy for any particular ad, which is a lot. But when, you, when you're in Facebook, you can utilize their dynamic creative tool and it allows you to put in up to five variations of anything, five variations of an image, five variations of a video, five variations of a copy. And Facebook will then take all those and use their algorithm to serve the best combination. So, you know, I, I put a lot of trust in, in Facebook's algorithm it's been good to me. So when it comes to creative, I, I, you know, I give them a lot of autonomy to to create stuff that they like. And, you know, as it comes in, I just test it all. If it doesn't work, it's no big deal. I'll I'll shut it off after, 
after it gets a little bit of spend. But, you know, if it works it, and it works, I'll give my thoughts to the creative team on, on why I think it worked. And then we'll go from there. Have you found that there's anything in particular with with copy right now or images that that's really resonating with people? For us right now, long form copy is doing really well. I'll usually tell Justina, our copywriter, to give me two two or three variations of long form copy and then two or three variations of short form copy and run them against each other. Especially in the top funnel, a lot of long form copy performs really well. Just gives people a little more information before the click. So long form copy ends up, you know, working pretty well for us. Another thing that's I'm still testing but has been working so far is just kind of focusing on the brands at a high level in my top funnel audiences. So instead of trying to get a conversion or a sale right off the bat, I'm kind of introducing them to the brands in the top funnel and that are focused on, you know, what what DM is how our products work and how they can help you, that kind of stuff. And then when people see those ads, retargeting them later, asking for the conversion. So uh, that's another thing that we're working on testing right now. It's worked really well for the Epic Challenge that we offer. And I'm kind of moving moving that, slowly testing that with our lab product and our partner's product. Cool. I want to know what were some challenges you you kind of faced? I mean, other than obviously repixeling, re-tagging the entire freaking website uh, and all our funnels and offers. But what are like challenges you you find in, in some of our products and in selling those? Yeah, so my background is mainly in e-commerce, selling physical products. But at DM, since this is an e-learning product, it's not physical in any sense. I, I initially started approaching it the same way I approached e-commerce, but I've, I found quickly that that may not be the best approach. So the challenge has been adjusting to trying to sell an, you know, an, an e-learning product in, in a time where there's tons of e-learning products. And on mm-hmm. top of that, tons of marketing specific e-learning products, tons of courses out there, you know, just being in this, in this space, like my, my Instagram feed is all you know, marketing ad courses. Oh, I can't. Yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> so, like, there's just so so much, so many companies fighting for the same people's attention. So, the challenge has been figuring out how to stand out from that and and finding new ways to approach the funnel. I think the great part about being here at DM is we have a lot of a lot of people here that pay a lot of attention to the funnels, and you know, we're always testing new funnels always testing new people, new ways to get people into the funnels and coming from an agency background. That's a luxury that I've never had just having a team like that, because, you know, if you're at an agency, you can, you can give those recommendations to the client about ways to improve their funnel, but most of the time they're not going to do them. And you kind of just have to work with what you're given. So, you know, DM has been great because there's so many people here that are focused on making making the, the website experience at the, as best as it can be. There's a lot of people looking at, you know, the funnel as a whole. So I can focus on just, you know, driving good traffic it just makes my job way easier. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would describe it as we are all nosy as hell. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree with that. 
I can't help it though. Speaking of being nosy. Okay. So I want to ask you about this particular ad. So we have an ad and I've seen it on Instagram and on Facebook and it says, do you suck at marketing? Big, big red background, big white, bold font. And I noticed that we get a ton of very angry people in the comments, but I figure even if Pete makes people angry, there's a reason we're running it. So I'd love to know like some of the results from that and like just your, your thoughts on it. That's one of our best, one of our best ads. <laughs> well, I, I can promise you if it wasn't good, it wouldn't be running. And yeah, right? it, it gets yeah. a lot of angry comments, but it gets people's attention as well. And actually somebody did report it for profanity and it got, and Facebook flagged it for a while, but I went mm-hmm. through the appeal process and I was like, this isn't profanity got it reapproved but yeah yeah the that was one of the best that ad was one of the best in the old ad account before i came on and that's one that i brought over to the new ad account and continue running it so i think that ad's pretty perfect because honestly it's kind of like our personality anyway so the the people who who don't like it probably won't like a lot of the things that we say or do or teach or believe in yep yep i agree with that Well, Garrett, we're kind of getting to the end of the hour, and I always ask one question at the end, but before I get to that question, I'm going to know from you where people can find out more about you or find out more about, you know, the, the lessons that you've learned and things that you know. Where can they reach out? Yeah, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn for sure. I'm always looking to connect with other with other uh, media buyers and just to talk shop. I'm really interested in how other people are scaling their campaigns past a certain spend level. You know, once you start getting up over a million dollars a year in Facebook ad spend, it gets hard to scale. And I love talking with other people about how, how they're approaching it. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not very active on other social media platforms, but I am on Instagram. Garrett.hardy. You can see some of my creative work there. I do a little bit of photography and stuff like that on the side. Yeah, you're like into film and stuff too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of cinematography. I'm on Twitter as well. I think um, Garrett, I think my name is just Garrett Hardy underscore on Twitter. And yeah, that's probably all the social media. Yeah, that's fine. You don't want to give everyone your address? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't need that. Don't need that. <laughs> I mean, you can try and add me on Facebook, but I, I probably won't add you back. <laughs> some things are private. Okay, before I get to the last question, I want to ask just some of the results you've seen in the last five months and give you a chance to brag on yourself. I would say the biggest one for me that I've gotten down, well, there's probably two that I want to talk about. When I when I came on and, and first started running traffic to the new Pixel, in top phone audiences, I was getting... I was getting people to start the lab trial and it was costing us about $1,200 to get one person to do that, which is way too much. But I reassured everyone that if we let the pixel optimize and keep running traffic, it would go down. And now in top funnel audiences, it costs us around $250 to get someone to start trial. This is just purely top funnel. It obviously goes way down in the bottom funnel, but to be able to get someone to uh, come into our funnel and just after on that first touch point and then be ROI positive in, you know, two or three months, that's huge for us. And then 
let's see the other one is probably the uh, epic challenge that we're running that one is you know a product uh, made by by roland frazier and that one for me is really fun because as long as we're getting results there's no budget cap for me it's just scale the hell out of it and you know it's it's a short run campaign usually we'll start running traffic about two weeks before the challenge and um try to get as much spend out of it as possible so i'll usually start spending at maybe like 500 dollars per day but this recent time or at least yesterday we spent nineteen thousand dollars in in one day below our acquisition goal so yeah being able to spend that much in a day was been has been really cool for sure and maintaining positive roi while doing it it's a lot of fun running running those campaigns that's awesome. I wish I could play with $19,000, but I would not ROI on anything. Yeah. After, <laughs> after a while, after a while, it's not, as, it's not as fun when you realize it's not your money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, this, this won't help my like wardrobe at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Garrett, this has been absolutely awesome. So the final question that I ask every first time guest on the podcast is Garrett, if you could go back in time and tell little young marketing major Garrett, Hardy, anything at all with the knowledge that you have now, what would you tell him and why? Oh man. Yeah. I would, I would honestly say don't just keep doing what you're doing because I feel like I, I got exactly where I wanted to be. You know, it's, you just kind of got to trust the process. You know, you're going to work some pretty crappy jobs and not doing what you want to do, but you know, every job or every client you get just helps get you where you need to go. So you know you're gonna you're gonna have to do some free campaigns to get some ad spend under your belt. You know that's totally fine. Just just stick with it. Yeah, I I love when the answer is just be yourself, basically. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Keep, keep on going. Awesome. Well, Garrett, this was such a cool combo, and I think a lot of people have been wondering about our like paid traffic for a long time. And, you know, there were some big shoes to fill there. And I think that you've definitely done that. So awesome. I appreciate it. This was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun. Well, we'll have to have you on again. And to everyone that listened, thank you so much for joining us. It means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye, y'all. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.